0: Foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens of God's kingdom, and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief on the story. In him, the whole building is together, and he rises to become a full-time in the world. And we need you too have been made together to become a and pray, which God lives by the Spirit. For this reason, I am all prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the Gentiles. For this reason, I need before the Father from whom every family in heaven and the earth. So, be serve to your enemy, so that Christ may bear in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, be rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, the grass how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to go and measure more than all the gas, all the energy, according to his love with us, to him be glory.
1: Thanks, Manuta. Is ever uh, helpful to be able to uh, have eyes on that? Um, The the boy's heading out for the bridge. Um, The boy's going to head through. That'll be great. Uh, If you're following in the Bibles, they are sort of littered around. Um, It's page 1174 75. So if you prefer uh, feeling the Bible in your hands, uh, it's there. So, a year or two back, uh, Serena Williams uh, was interviewed at at Wimbledon. I think we've got a picture. Uh, I think it was after her semi-final game. Uh, And uh, at that point, it's towards the end of the second week of Wimbledon. Uh, She'd been playing match after match in the singles. She'd got through then to the final. This was after the semi, so I don't know how many games that is. Maybe six or seven games, uh, matches in in about two weeks. Uh, She's been playing doubles with her sister as well. She's one of the oldest women on the tour. She's won the tournament at that point, I think, six times already. Uh, And so the interviewer asks her the question, how do you keep going? How do you keep going match after match, week after week, giving it your focus, giving it your commitment, making sacrifices, organising yourself so that uh, you're totally there and focused and engaged and, and playing at the level she was playing at Wimbledon. How do you keep going?" asked the interviewer. And and what you saw on, on Serena Williams's face was a look of bewilderment. Uh, she almost couldn't understand the question. And and by way of an answer, she just said, "Look around you. Look where we are. See, she she grasped that this is not a, a kind of." knock-about game of tennis in the park. This is Wimbledon. This, this is the Grand Slam event of the sport. How does she keep going? How does she stay focused? How does she stay committed? Why is she there for match after match after match, giving it her all? Because she understands where she is. She's got that sense of privilege of playing on centre-court, that sense of purpose of what it is she's doing there. How do you keep going, look around you, says Serena Williams. Look around at the church family. What do you see? What do you see? See so ha- how you answer that question will uh, dramatically affect how you experience church life. Uh, if you look around and you think, yeah, that's a group of people. And I know we're sort of up, up for a bit of the Jesus thing of a Sunday morning. It's kind of our shared hobby. It's a bit like knocking down the, the park and, and, and knocking a ball over a net a bit. Well, how do you experience church life? Very different. So if you look at the church family, you think, okay, this... This is Centre Court. This is Wimbledon. This is what it's all about. The sense of uh, privilege, the sense of purpose, the focus, the commitment will be totally different. Uh, As we've been working our way through Ephesians, the Apostle Paul has has told us what it is God sees when he looks at the church. Uh, The middle of uh, chapter 3 we were looking at last week. He says God's intent, his purpose uh, for the church is that... Uh, his wisdom, God's wisdom in bringing together all kinds of people, whoever they are, wherever they're from, whatever these, uh, they've done, God bringing them all together and uniting them in Christ so that they can come to him with confidence and freedom. He says, that is how I'm displaying my wisdom in the world. That is what I'm all about now. That's what God sees when he looks around. Uh, We saw at the end of uh, chapter 2, it was there in our reading, it's in bold in blue, just to to bring it out for us. Verse 22, what does God see when he looks around at the church family? He says, well, in Christ, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirits. In other words, in Christ, Christians together are the place where God lives by his spirits. We're looking for a sense of privilege, sense of purpose in life? Think on that. Christians together are the place where God lives. Paul's told us what it is God sees when he looks around at a church family. And then uh, verse 1 of chapter uh, 3, he says, for this reason, uh, and he's points the launch into a prayer and then uh, we get a slight digression and he talks about his ministry uh, now that he's in prison and then he picks it back up again at verse 14 which is where we're going to be uh, this morning with, for this reason because in Christ Christians together are the place where God lives by his spirit this is what I praise this Paul uh, and we discover that he prays for God's power in two different ways uh, God's power to strengthen our hearts Uh, for Christ to live in them. He prays for God's power to help us to know the uh, unknowably great love of Christ. Uh, We'll come on to those two things. Uh, But before we do, I I just want us to see the end goal of this prayer. Uh, What it is he wants for this church that he's writing to. Uh, And it's there at the end of verse 19 and it's in blue again just to help us. Why is he praying these things? For this reason, given what he knows about who God is and what he's doing and what God sees when he looks around at the church family, he's praying that you Christians may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Well, that's Bibleese, isn't it? We don't talk like that, do we? That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Uh, The best way I can come up with uh, for explaining that is that He's praying for the church to display the presence and the glory of God. For the church to display the presence and the glory of God. Uh, See, the the fullness of God, in the Old Testament, the verb uh, that that uh, fullness word comes from is used of God's presence and his glory in the temple. Uh, So Ezekiel uh, chapter uh, 44 verse 4, for example, uh, the house of the Lord is full of his glory. Ezekiel's looking forward to the day when God's glorious presence will fill the temple once again and everybody will see it on display and they will be drawn to worship him. That's what it means for God's glory to fill something. He's there present in glory on display. And Paul says that that is what he is praying for the church. It's not a social club, it's not a knock-around in the park. It's a group of people with whom God is present and his glory is on display. Uh, We've got a picture, I think.
0: Uh, We've
1: thought about this uh, uh, particular work of art before. It's uh, Leonardo da Vinci, uh, Salvatore Mundi, the saviour of the world. Uh, most expensive work of art ever I think, some ludicrous quantity of money there it is on display it's very simple isn't it there's nothing fancy around it the point is the picture the display case everything around it it's not supposed to distract you it's supposed to help you to see the picture and enjoy the picture Uh, We sing a song sometimes. We're not singing it this morning. May may the mind of Christ my Saviour. There's a verse in it. Um, uh, May the love of Jesus fill me as I seek the lost to win. And may they uh, forget the channel. Seeing only him. That's us. We're, We're a display case. We're not supposed to look glorious and impressive. People aren't supposed to go away remembering us. They're supposed to see him. We're a display case. That's what the church is—to display the presence and glory of God. That's what Paul prays. You want a sense of purpose, a sense of privilege in life? I think on that—that's why the church exists. Uh, but for that to happen, we need God's power. No surprise. So Paul uh, prays for that in two different ways. Firstly, uh, he prays that uh, the church would display that the present the glory of God, as God's power uh, strengthens our hearts uh, for Christ to live in them. Uh, imagine, uh, for a moment, we've got another picture, I think. Uh, Prince William, heir to the throne, future king, uh, announces he's going to live in a, a tumble-down ruin. Uh, The pictures are all over the the kind of tabloid press. I guess Daily Mail in particular would get excited they go in for the royalty thing. Um, And and people are bewildered. Because not even the most uh, over-enthusiastic estate agent would call this a do upper It's a wreck. It's barely recognisable as a castle. It's spoiled. The roof has collapsed. The beams, the floorboards, such as they are, are, are rotten. There's windows missing. There's Uh, wallpaper peeling it's just falling down it's it's not fit for royalty and William comes back "Ah, but you don't understand I I haven't finished yet and so over time he puts his mark on the tumble down ruin Uh, rotten beams are strengthened carefully so that uh, what's left of the roof doesn't collapse Uh, the foundations Where they're wobbly or missing, they they get underpinned. Brick by brick is uh, painstakingly removed and dusted down and repaired and and put back in and pointed, so the whole thing uh, holds together. Some walls altogether removed, an extra wing put in. So that over time it is transformed to be a palace that is fit for a king. And uh, as that transformation takes place, the watching world sees that the king's character is being worked out in the design. His uh, priorities for how life is to be lived and and how his uh, kingship is to be worked out, it is there in the way the building is arranged. It's not just fit for him, uh, it's uh, fitted to him, uh, like a display case for his glory. see Paul says for the church to be this display case together for the presence and glory of God every individual needs to be transformed from that kind of wreck to a palace so that Christ God's King can dwell in our hearts through faith not that he doesn't already at the end of chapter 1 Paul's told us Christ dwells there but, but the end goal is the palace. See, it turns out every Christian is a doer-upper. Christ doesn't come and live with us because we are fit for him to do so. Our hearts are spoiled by sin, our inner being, that the centre of our emotions, our wills, our, our thoughts, our, our kind of spiritual centre, our characters, our, our inner being, there's lots that's rotten, decaying, disordered, spoiled. If you'd call yourself a Christian here this morning and you don't recognise that you are a doer-upper, I want to encourage you to go back to the Gospel and just think through at what Jesus says about who we are. Every Christian is a doer-upper in need of God's grace. Uh, and if you're not a Christian here this morning, I hope you see what good news this is. That you do not need to fix yourself before you come to God. That he does it. Uh, we don't do it ourselves anymore than I guess a, a house uh, does itself up. Uh, the key to... Uh, our inner beings being uh, spiritually renewed is for God's power to come into our lives. That's why Paul prays for God's power. It's a work of the spirit, not a work of self-improvement. And because it is such a big job, it is a lifetime job. Uh, As God's power strengthens us by his spirit in our inner beings, as he carefully, gently removes those sinful desires, those rotten ambitions as he addresses the foundations and underpins them with his truth strips out the the lies that we're building our lives on, the false promises as he transforms us so that what we love becomes what he loves as we are fitted to him and fitting for him Paul praise that God's that power would strengthen our hearts so that Christ might live in us. Uh, What does that mean in practice? I think a number of things. It means a concern for our own godliness, a concern for our own uh, maturity. Uh, Paul uses the language of uh, the fullness of God uh, for the maturity of the church uh, a little bit later on. If we get this, if we understand where we are as Christians, well, we'll be concerned for our own godliness. Because we all have a part to play in being a fit place for Christ to live. Uh, If if we come in here this morning with uh, a pattern of unrepented of sin in our lives, that doesn't just affect you. That affects us all because together we are to display and enjoy the presence and the glory of God and to be fitting in that. Uh, So we need to be concerned for our own uh, godliness. Uh, And we need to be concerned for other people's godliness. Uh, Because again, uh, we are together to be a fit uh, display case if somebody comes to you and they want to help you to grow in the Christian faith to come to know the Lord Jesus better it's because they love Jesus and because they love you it's because they've understood where we are and they want us together to be that display case for God's presence and glory if we get this if we get who we are if we get where we are well we'll be committed to our spiritual maturity because that's what it means for God's power to strengthen us so that uh, Christ might live in our hearts. Paul praise uh, for God's power uh, to do that. Uh, he prays for God's power again in verses uh, sort of halfway through 17 through to the beginning of 19. If you glance down with me, these are probably some of the most wonderfully uplifting, heartwarming verses in the Bible. Uh, they may well be very familiar to us. Uh, the start of the paragraph there in verse 17. And I pray that you, you, that's any of us who are trusting uh, Christ this morning. I I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Because that's where the Christian life begins. uh, Rooted in the love of Christ. To say you're a Christian is to say with Paul uh, in Galatians 2, Jesus Christ loved me and he gave himself up for me. The Christian life begins rooted in Christ's love. Where does the Christian life go from there? Verse 17, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. See, it turns out that Christian life, amongst many other things, is an unending voyage of discovery as we grasp more and more of the love of Christ, the love that Christ has for us who trust him. Uh, The Jesus Storybook Bible that we use a lot with uh, the kids has running through it the idea that there is a great lie that God doesn't love us. It's described as the, the whispered lie that we haven't done enough when Jesus has done enough for us that that our sin disqualifies us when Jesus died to take away our sins and to qualify us that we aren't fit for God uh, when of course we're not fit for him on our own but in Christ because of who he is and what he's done we are made fit but the Christian life is a voyage of discovery of the, the vastness, the, the width, the length, the height, the depth, the fullness, the, the all permeating, sin conquering, peace bringing, life transforming, glory displaying love of God. And who wouldn't want more of You see, there Paul emphasizes, especially, the, the vastness of it. We sing sometimes, Here is love, vast as the ocean. I looked it up. The Pacific Ocean is 9,600 miles from Antarctica up to the Bering Straits. 9,600 miles. It is 12,000 miles across from Chile to Malaysia. At its deepest, it is 10,994 metres. That's from here to the British Museum, but straight down. Uh, Next time uh, you find yourself by the beach, considering the vastness of the ocean, or perhaps flying over it, think on the love that Christ has for you. To come and to die for your past and to rise and share his future with you. Look at the vastness of the ocean and reflect on Christ's love for you. See, Paul wants us to get the vastness of it, but also the character uh, of it, Uh, There in verse 19, he prays that we would know. It's not just a knowing the answer, Sunday school kind of a thing. It's no experience. Enjoy this love that is beyond knowledge. See, Paul's clear. God, God isn't simply like us, but a bit bigger. Like us, but a bit better. Loving, but just better and bigger at it than we are. God isn't simply like us. Uh, His glory, His timeless majesty, His infinite knowledge and power. His ways, they're not our ways. So to see God for who He is, to grasp His love for what it is, it's going to blow our minds as well as swell our hearts. He's beyond our comprehension. So no surprise that His love surpasses knowledge. That the holy love of an infinite creator when it comes into our lives in all its fullness, of course we need help to get our heads around it, our hearts around it. And so that's what Paul prays for. That God's power would enable us to grasp it. Let me ask this more. Do you know Christ's love? And do you know and enjoy and experience Christ's love as much as you would like to? More than you did 12 months ago. Uh, maybe, to use James's language, we don't have because we don't ask. Uh, Paul encourages us to pray uh, for God's power to help us to grasp uh, the love of Christ. And we skipped over a bit of verse 18. Paul prays that that would happen together with all the saints. See, growing in this way, like every aspect of Christian maturity, doesn't happen uh, automatically, and it doesn't happen on our own. Because Christian growth happens as the people of God prayerfully speak at the word of God, depending on the power of the Spirit of God. And growing to know Christ's love is no different in that. Uh, Christian writer and preacher John Stott uh, said this, it takes the whole people of God to understand the whole love of God. We need each other, together with all the saints. Uh, The Apostle John uh, puts it differently in uh, 1 John 4. He says, dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. See, growing together to know and enjoy and to grasp Christ's love requires God's power, it's hard but by it we display the presence and the glory of God Uh, as we close let me just ask you what do you pray for and particularly in the area of God's power what are we asking God to powerfully do in our lives, in the lives of other people It's easy, isn't it, to come to God with our own priorities, to be concerned for uh, our own glory to be displayed in different ways. So we want the power to be strong, the power to be healed, the power to be uh, impressive or successful in, in whatever terms we choose to define that. Paul looks around and he understands where we are. On the back of who God is and what he's done and what he's doing in the world, Paul prays for this reason. Let me encourage us. If we understand who we are, if we know, if you like, that this is Centre Court and not the park, if we want the church to display the power and the glory of God, then we need to pray. And we need to pray God's words back to him. Uh, If you come along to the monthly prayer meetings, you'll know we start each prayer meeting uh, with uh, probably about 15 uh, little sort of paragraphs, two or three verses uh, from the Bible. And then we simply pray those back to God. Uh, We want to understand who we are, what God's priorities are, what his purposes are, so that it's his glory on display. Uh, So as we close, I'm just going to lead us and we're going to pray these verses. Uh, we're going to ask for God's uh, power to come into our lives and our life together. And not perhaps to be uh, impressive in the way that uh, the world might expect or want us to be, in ways that we might sometimes expect or want to be. But so we can be a display case uh, for the presence and glory of God. Let's uh, pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that out of your glorious unbounded, unending riches you would strengthen us with your power through uh, your spirit in our inner being so that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith and we pray that uh, being rooted and established in love we might have your power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge we ask it that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God that we might together display your presence and your glory amongst us and so to you who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine because it is a big job according to your power that is at work within us. So you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We're going to sing. Who is there like you? If you glance down just at the words of the the chorus... Your love has come to me and set me free. Uh, Chapter 2 speaks of uh, coming to God in confidence and freedom uh, because of uh, what the Lord Jesus has done for us. He loved us so much, he gave himself up for us. His love has come to us and set us free. Uh, Let's stand and sing together.
0: Mm